Well, good morning, and uh, it's so great to be here and to be celebrating with these families in the room. It's just wonderful. Um, I love parent-child dedication, especially this, this month is going to be a lot of fun. My name is Maureen Brown. I serve on the family, as the family's ministries pastor here at Forest Grove Attridge, and I lead alongside an incredible team on the family ministry team, and these are leaders that from youngest to oldest. And I need to give a shout out to one of my team members today because our junior high director and our family ministry assistant for youth and young adults, it's her birthday. So happy birthday, Lizzie Rowan. That's for you. And also, I can't do that without saying happy birthday to my grandson who is turning two as well. So happy birthday to Nash. There, got those things taken care of. And um, I appreciated that Mother's Day video and that post-pandemic almost post-pandemic Mother's Day. But there was one thing that jumped out at me, and maybe it jumped out at you too, and that was the, the message on there that said this. The way you display Jesus to your family will become something that God uses for generations to come. And I think why that jumped out at me is because it made me think back to when I was a mother of young children and how many times I fell short. And I thought, oh, did I display Jesus to my family? And it made me think back to this year and think, how many times did I fall short? So many times. But I'm so thankful that God uses us even when we fall short, because we will always fall short. We're in a series called Kingdom Culture, and even the message today is on kingdom faith. And as I was preparing for that, I just was feeling, oh, Lord, I'll fall short. And so again, I remembered the only reason I would ever get up and teach or preach or speak is because I know that the Holy Spirit is the true teacher. And so I trust today that it won't be my words that you will remember, but it will be the words that are impressed on you by the Holy Spirit. And so can we pray before we start? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for these families in this room. And Lord, I just think you are good. You're a good father, and thank you, thank you for the way that um, they're here, and bless them, Lord. But Lord, I also pray as I bring this message, Lord, I just pray that you would open our hearts and minds and just open our eyes to, to hear from you today. Lord, may we be moved and nudged in the ways that you speak to us today. May the things of me fall away, but the things of you be the things that stick, and they stay with us. We love you, Lord, and I pray these things in your name. Amen. So, kingdom faith, and the word faith, it is huge. And then if you add kingdom in front of it, it's even bigger. The word itself maybe has been um, uh, overused, and maybe possibly abused, and maybe has different meanings to people, and maybe at times it's even lost its meaning. Those phrases like, you got to have faith, keep up the faith. Even in my kitchen, and my family jokes about this often, but I really do love words. Words mean something to me, and so I have words on my wall. And in my kitchen above the pantry, I have the words faith, family, friends. But they mean something to me. But if you don't know the context for me, they're just words. So I wonder sometimes, what do people mean when they use phrases about faith? When they say things like, it's been a rough year. But I have faith that if I hang in there, things will get better. I don't know the context that they use that word faith in. 
I had the privilege years ago to travel to Morocco. It was such a great adventure, and it was so beautiful. But when we were leaving, and we were already sitting in the plane on the ground, ready to taxi to the runway, we waited for about half an hour, and then the captain came on the intercom and said, there are problems with the plane. Now, that's something you don't want to hear. However, I would rather hear that while we're sitting on the ground than when we're flying in the air. So that was a positive thing to be thankful for. Another half hour came and another half hour came. Same message, sorry, we're, trying, we're working on it. And they brought us water. It got kind of hot and stuffy. They couldn't let us back into the airport because we'd already gone through customs. And so we sat for about two hours on that plane. And then the captain came on and said, I have good news. They think they have it fixed. We should be up and away soon. But now that you know my love of words and that words mean something, what words do you think jumped out to me in that phrase? Yeah, I heard someone say, they think. They think they have it fixed. So I have a choice there. Well, not really, because I'm in the plane. And so I'm just sitting there, and I'm looking at all the people running around the plane outside, and, and I, I hope I can have faith that they know what, you know, I know it takes a lot of time, and airplane mechanics are really smart, so I hope that we're ready to go. But I don't even know those people on the ground. So to say, I think I have faith that they are going to get us up and away, I don't know. Well, end of the story, I'm here. So they did a really good job. They did what they know they need to do. But kingdom faith is so much more than just thinking or trusting that someone did, somebody did something well. It's so much more. Hebrews 1.1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. The concept of faith when referring to God or Jesus is different. In the message translation of Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says this, The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is a firm foundation under everything that makes this life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. So much deeper. An author that I like, Timothy Keller, puts it this way, a quote from him, It's not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. Say that again, it's not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. One of our values here at Forest Grove Community Church, we have four, and one is the value of faith. And if you read the descriptions of our value of faith, the, the descriptor, you'll read this. Our creator God is the object of our faith. It's all about him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hebrews 11.6 is in that description as well. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So it says faith both has an object, God, but it also has a response. How we live because of our faith or trust in God. So our text for this morning is Matthew 9, 18 to 34. Let's enter the text, and in today's text, we'll see that the people are starting to understand more and more who Jesus is, and that he can be trusted, and they could put their faith in him, that he can be the object of their faith. And just as Jesus was finished his teaching on new wine skins and new wine, and if that was last week, if you didn't see that message by Pastor Bruce, 
on new wineskins and new wine, you really, I encourage you to go back and watch it. It was a powerful message. But as Jesus was just finishing that, we get to Matthew 9, 18. And it says, while he was saying this about the new wine and wineskins, a synagogue leader came up and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. We need to remember that by this time, religious leaders had begun to brand Jesus as a heretic. Really a heretic. A leader of the synagogue might have been in other circumstances. Really Jesus' opponent against him. However, at the death of his daughter, or what the thought, he thought was the death of his daughter, this father, father is ready to reach out. He's willing to kneel. He's willing to worship. That's what it says in other translations. Before Jesus, because he knows what he can do. And he knows who he is. So I would say this, our most terrible circumstances can often lead us to the reality of who Jesus is. Then we go to Matthew 9, 20, 21. It says, Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. So now we have a story inside a story. We have a story of a desperate woman set inside the story of a desperate father. Desperate situations often lead us to Jesus. In her community, this woman would have been unclean, requiring her to live separate from everybody else, out of society. Um, and her touch itself would have made the other person unclean. She must live on the fringes, outside. So can you imagine the risk that she took in with what she did? Huge risk. She knew he was the answer. And in Matthew 9, 22, it says that Jesus turned and saw her and said, Take heart, daughter. That daughter word just jumps out at me because I can only imagine for her what that felt like. Take heart, daughter. He said, Your faith has healed you. So Jesus sees her. And I wonder how long it had been since someone had actually seen her, actually looked in her eyes. People avoided her. People passed her by. They went on the other side. But Jesus sees her. So then I think and know this. How often do people not feel seen? Jesus sees us. We can trust that Jesus sees you. He healed the woman that touched his garment, and he healed the ruler's daughter. And then in 927, we get another miracle in our passage, and it says, As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And then 29 tells us, He touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. He also heals a demon-possessed man that couldn't talk, and as the Lord heals him, he's, the demon's gone and he's able to speak. Also, as I was preparing for this, you can't have a message on faith without talking about Hebrews 11 and what is known as the chapter on the heroes of faith. Now, this might be familiar to some of you and not for others. And I would encourage you to read that chapter because we don't have time to read it today. And not all of the heroes of faith are listed there, but there's a powerful group. And it starts with this, our verse before. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. But this is what the ancients were commanded for. And then it goes on to list. And it says, by faith, Abel. And it tells what Abel did. By faith, Enoch. Tells what Enoch did. It goes on to Noah. On to Abraham. On to Isaac. Jacob. Joseph. Moses. Rahab. 
And then the author says, I don't even tell you, I don't even have time to tell you about the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. It's just this huge list of what is called the faith heroes. However, once we start to examine the actual list of people in chapter 11, a number of awkward questions begin to surface. Because some of the men and women listed, they made mistakes. They fell short at times. So this tells me that God doesn't look at perfect faith, but he looks at authentic faith as humans. Because the perfect faith, really, that's an impossibility. We can be weak, but he can be strong in us, and he can bring us back. When we mess up, or what we do to mess up, or when something comes to us that messes it up, or doubt comes, do we throw it all away, or do we continue to earnestly seek God? I think a confident yet humble faith that recognizes that it's a gift from God is a good place to start. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. You know, when I think of those faith heroes, and this was really easy for me and made it especially special because it's Mother's Day, I actually think of my mom. I think of my mom, and I want to tell you a little bit why I think of my mom. I was visiting my mom recently, and we were having one of those special times, you know, those unrushed, deep conversations. My mom is 89, and I'm so thankful for her clear, wise mind, because I know that's not always common at 89. And my stepfather, her husband of many years, passed away in October during COVID. So my mom has had lots of loss this year. But my mom has experienced lots of loss throughout her life. And with her loss, there's been a deep faith that's rooted in her. And just so you know, I just want to show a couple pictures. So this first picture was before COVID. And this was a summer road trip that I did with my mom and my sister to BC. And you know, my mom, she doesn't like phones and she doesn't like selfies, but she took a selfie at every stop with us. She was just willing. And one of them, I think, were in bed. We caught her while we were sleeping in the morning. But anyway, just a wonderful trip. The second picture I'd like to show you is how my mom, this is my mom's COVID birthday. So she had a birthday where she was on the deck and we had to say happy birthday from over that. That's familiar to lots of you. The other picture is where my mom spent most of her visits with my stepfather from a distance before he passed away. And I know that even that picture reminds lots of you that's how you've been visiting your loved ones too. I'm thankful that those things are changing because my stepfather passed away before they had an opportunity to really visit in the way that they would have liked to visit because he was in a care home. But so that's just a little glimpse of my mom. But one of the hardest times for my mom was when my biological dad left our family. My poor mom during that time, but I also would say my poor dad during that time, he struggled with many things, and one was alcohol. I love my dad, and he has taught me a lot, and he taught me a lot even in the midst of that. He's passed away now, and, but I asked my mom during this special visit, I said, Mom, I'm speaking on what it takes to have faith to truly trust Jesus, to grow your faith. And you know, Mom, I've got the message ready, and the words seem so easy to say, but so hard to do. So the message feels kind of empty because it just, it's easy to say the words. Then I said, how did you do that, Mom, when Dad left? What was it at that time 
And how could it be at that time that your faith actually grew? During that time, it got bigger. And she started to talk. And she said, well, it was hard. It wasn't easy. She started to share, and it was a powerful time of sharing. And I got up my phone, and I asked so tenderly and sweetly, I said, Mom, can I video this? Because I knew it would be a keepsake for our family. And then my mom said, I will stop talking if you start videoing. And then me, like a good daughter, I quickly put my phone away and hoped I hadn't ruined the moment. But I hadn't. She kept going. And she went on to say, life is harder when you're in a valley. No doubt. It's easy to have faith when things are going well. And I celebrate if things are going well and your faith feels strong, I celebrate with you today. She said, when you're on the mountain, it's easier. She told me some practical things. She said during that time she had to walk a lot. She had a job as a teacher and she was thankful for that. But she said, you still go home alone at night. And so what she did was she walked. That helped with her physical and mental ability to cope with things. But she said this, I prayed. I learned to pray like I've never prayed before. Not asking that God would change anything, but that he would help me. And then she said, I read my Bible. I just read it and read it. And, you know, I knew that. I was in university first year when that happened. And I knew when I'd come home on the weekends, I would see my mom's Bible getting fatter and fatter. The pages warped because you could see how much she was reading her Bible. She said she learned firsthand through her experience that the God of the mountain was also the God of the valley. And then she started telling me words of a song that helped her. And she quoted some words, and she said, Life is easy when you're on the mountain, and you've got peace of mind like you've never known. But when things change and you're down in the valley, don't lose faith, for you're never alone. And then she kind of started to hum this chorus, which some of you will be familiar with. I wasn't that familiar with, and some of you it'll be brand new. But she started to hum this chorus, and it said, And the God of the mountain is still God of the valley. When things go wrong... He'll make them right. And the God of the good times is still God in the bad times. And she said, the God of the day is the God of the night. And then I asked, can I get my phone out so we can Google the song, Mom, and sing it together? And she said, yes. So I got my phone out. We Googled it. She sang it. I sang it with her. We cried a little bit together. And the second verse really jumped out at me. The second verse said, we talk of faith when we're on the mountain. But talk comes so easy when life's at its best. But in the valley, in trials and temptations, that's when faith is really put to the test. So desperate situations often lead to Jesus. It did for my mom, and my mom is a faith hero to me. But you know, the whole purpose of talking about faith heroes and the whole purpose of chapter 11 is actually listed In chapter 12, verses 1 to 4, and that says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We each have a race marked out for us, but we need to be fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I had the opportunity in the last number of years to take some training and mentorship from a woman named Lisa Turkhurst. 
And a number of years ago, I was with her and others in Charlotte, North Carolina, where she told a powerful story. She was on a scuba diving trip with her family, and they had taken the training, and they were down in the ocean with their trainer. Trainer's called a dive master. And everything was going fine, and then she and her daughter saw what they thought was a baby shark. And then that baby shark actually bumped into her daughter's head, and her daughter screamed so loud underwater that Lisa could hear her underwater, and then her daughter grabbed to Lisa for help. And Lisa's mask went crooked, her regulator fell off, and the few seconds felt like hours. They were panicking, she thought they were gonna drown, and they were both panicking and grabbing and trying to have help, and then felt this thing again hit them. And then the dive master grabbed them by the shoulders, put their masks back on, got their regulators in, and got them breathing, and then ascended to the surface with them. And then as they got into the boat, the dive master looked at her family, and he said this, that wasn't a shark, it was a fish, and it didn't even have teeth. I knew that. He said, do you know why you panicked? I told you there was one basic rule when we got down there. One basic rule, and the rule was never take your eyes off the dive master. Because I know things you don't. You took your eyes off the dive master. Now I'll ask the worship band to come up as I close with this. Those words Lisa shared, she said, never take your eyes off the master because he knows things you don't. Jesus knows things we don't. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw everything off that hinders. And you know what? Because I know the Holy Spirit's a true teacher, I know that there's messages that you're hearing there's things that are hindering. There's things that are hindering and you know personalized for you. And there might be other things because what about the sin that so easily entangles us? And again, I know, you know what those things are. I know when God speaks to me, my heart pounds a little faster, my hands get a little sweaty. And so... What are yours? What are the things that are entangling you? And then it says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Never take our eyes off the master because he knows things we don't. He can do things we can't. He is Jesus. God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is the object of our faith, the author of our faith, and the perfecter of our faith. And I don't know this morning whether you're maybe on a mountain. And so it's, it's a celebration day for you and faith feels good. I celebrate with you. But I don't know, you may be in a valley. And it's going to be harder in the valley we can still fix our eyes on Jesus, but it's going to be harder. But I also know that there may be a, some of you that have just taken your eyes off the master. You've taken your eyes off. And today, you're sensing that that's what God is saying to you. You've got to get looking back.
to the master. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And there will be times when we fall short, when we feel weak, and at those times we really need to look hard. Like my mom said, it wasn't hard. It wasn't easy, it was hard. We really need to look and we need to do those things that we know will help us to grow in our faith. Fix our eyes on Jesus and his spirit can be strong in us. Can I pray for you before we go to worship? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this um, day. Lord, I thank you for this message on faith. Lord, I just, I thank you that we truly can have a kingdom faith because when we look at you, you are the king. And to have faith in you gives us kingdom faith. And Lord, I thank you for the reminder that you know things we don't. So help us not to look at the circumstances and the obstacles and the things that are going on around us because then we panic, Lord. We panic when we're in that valley and those are the things that become bigger. So Lord, will you help us to fix our eyes on you, to trust you? Would you grow our faith? And Lord, those messages that people have heard that were right directly from you, those are the things that are important this morning, Lord. So I just pray that they would... Uh, just respond to those nudges and walk them out knowing that, hey, we're not going to be perfect, but Lord, you can help us because you're the author of our faith and the protector. The, you can do it. You're the perfecter of our faith, Lord. So Lord, we trust you. Grow our faith. Help us to have faith. And I pray these things, Lord, in your name. Amen.